When you're building a culture of belonging, every word counts. That's why Textio brings the world's most advanced language insights into your hiring and employer brand content. Our industry-leading approach to artificial intelligence and machine learning provides the tools needed to find more diverse candidates. In short, Textio builds more equitable workspaces, guiding businesses and writing more inclusive job posts. And we're building on that success by bringing even more products to the market for all people who share our belief that language matters. Words have power. And at Textio, we harness that power to increase the access and availability of value-driven work for everyone. Hey, 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 how y'all doing? For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, welcome to the group chat, Radical Change with Bonda Page. I am your host, Bonda Page. Um, and you may have recently heard me talking about unpacking anti-Blackness or unlearning anti-Blackness um, because I really see anti-Blackness as a key underbelly current that for some reason we are not talking about in a way that is moving us towards meaningful and measurable progress. And that is very disturbing to me because what I keep saying over and over is this constant deflection and this constant distraction and this constant downplaying of the lack of action, lack of accountability, lack of movement in any meaningful and measurable way when it comes to Black people in corporate America, when it comes to Black people in institutes of higher learning, when it comes to Black people in positions of power. And frankly, um, I'm tired. And I made a conscious decision and a conscious effort that beginning today, August 1st, that I am no longer going to hold my genius back from the world Unpacking anti-Blackness, unlearning anti-Blackness is something that is blatantly obvious to me that has to be discussed. And so I decided that I, um, beginning August 1st, which is today, am going to use my voice, use my expertise, use my experience use what I know to really try to accelerate um, awareness of anti-Blackness and really alleviate anti-Blackness because we are not going to progress in any meaningful way, in any initiatives when it comes to trying to get any equality, equity, inclusion, reparations, justice, or freedom for Black people unless anti-Blackness as a whole is addressed. We are not going to get wholesale, writ large, meaningful, measurable change, progress, if we do not address anti-Blackness. Anti-Blackness is what allows white people, brown people, Asian people, other people 
who do not look black, the opportunity to be above black people in their minds and as a man thinketh, so he do, right? And so as you think is how you act. Now, you may not say to yourself, oh, I grew up and I went to a school where somebody told me black people were inferior. You may not have had the kind of public school curriculum that uh, told you, you know, that Africa was like this undeveloped place with savages and like they really did black Africans a favor by bringing them over here. Whether or not that is your experience is really irrelevant. What is relevant is how your internalized anti-blackness operates in its conditioned state, which then shows up in how you behave and how you operate. So let's take it to George Floyd, because um, some of you may know uh, after George Floyd's murder and then seeing how corporate America responded to uh, the protests and everything, um, it just really, to me, woke me up and let me know it was time to uh, drive the radical change that's necessary. And so I founded my company. So Radical Change LLC, the LLC stands for Leaders Learn Change, which is my um, blueprint. But Radical Change, Leaders Learn Change is a um, boutique advice and guidance consultancy. And I really focus on up-leveling leaders who are ready to meet the moment because the things and the challenges and the opportunities we face right now are extremely significant. The challenges and the opportunities we face right now require new ways of thinking, new ways of doing things, new ways of operating. And we have got to um, level up in a whole new way. We have got to decide and then operate within that decision and move accordingly. So when I think about how anti-Blackness really hinders any substantial, sustainable movement in the DEI era, I really think about it from the standpoint of how many Black people have had roles such as chief people officer, chief diversity officer, chief DEI officer, senior DEI lead of the senior DEI of that. How many people that have been black, whether of any gender identification, of any age, how many black people have you seen or heard or heard about who shared a significant, meaningful, and measurable result they made when they went in a company as their chief diversity officer, chief people officer, chief talent officer, chief human resource officer, whatever the heck you want to call it, and really did something that was meaningful and measurable for the actual people that work there and not meaningful and measurable for the stockholders, the board of directors, and you know the um, C-suite. Because the bottom line is, the bottom line is that 
there is opportunity for us to unlearn anti-blackness, for us to understand anti-blackness. Because how would a black person that extends, ascends, it's these new uh, braces, I'm getting used to them. Uh, how does a black person ascend to extreme heights of success in corporate America and at the same time, uh, nothing changes for the black people that work in customer service. Nothing changes for the black women with the master's degrees who are still being paid 40% less, 30% less than counterparts who don't even have the same experience or education. How many companies that you can publicly just look at, you can look at on the internet to see have been sued by employees just since the pandemic? And conversely, how we have, I can't remember if it's 263 or 243 more billionaires since the beginning of the pandemic because of, right, what has transpired, right? Hey, Joseph, good to see you. Um, so, you know, the thing is, we have to look at things as they are, as opposed to as we want them to be. And the way they are is that because of anti-Blackness, because of this undiscussed, undiscussed, uh, almost closeted um, undercurrent of a theme that we know is there, we are not making progress in DEI. So I did a couple of polls last week and I was um, looking at them, looking at the results and trying to, you know, I gave some of them a little more time than others. But, you know, I know that I get followed by a lot of people. And so um, a lot of the people that I follow are in the DEI space because I guess I'm in that space. I didn't realize I was, but I mean, I am. So it is right. <laughs> um, but what I learned uh, with some of these polls is so first, right, the one I said, hey, DEI executives, leaders of DEI teams and managers of college corporate internship programs. Have you watched any of the below movies, series or shows? And I said, I'm working on, you know, my research. So 79 people voted and out of the 79 people voted, right, 42 percent uh, said they saw the color purple uh, 23 and 24 said 13 and Alex Haley's roots and 11% said they see us. They saw when they see us. I think that is super interesting that um, 79 people voted, but something like 1100 people saw the, uh, saw the post, right? And so they just chose not to engage in it. Because one thing that I have found is that a lot of times people that are in these spaces that are doing this DEI work, if they are not black, they have not done the requisite research and taken the time to 
like try to understand the black experience from a black perspective. So I asked a question about these movies just to get an idea if DEI executives and leaders of these teams have watched these watched these movies. Now I have like 5,000 people following me and probably 2,000 of them are DEI people. 79 people voted. So maybe that's pretty good. But I mean, I just would think more people would have seen 13th, more people would see Roots, more people would see When They See Us. Because When They See Us, right, is in 13th are more modern, right, than Alex Haley's Roots and the Color Purple. And they give more of an indication on today's impact, right? Today's impact of uh, systemic racism Who's, who who thrives, right, on anti-Blackness. So when I think about Black people being in positions, uh, whether it's in government or in schools or whatever, and there's only ever one or two up there, they never have a Black staff of people working under them. They only have other people that are not Black working with and around them, right? And they tell the black people that, you know, oh, yeah, we're working for you and we're trying to do this and we're trying to do that. But nothing ever changes. It's kind of like churches in inner cities where the pastors have helicopters and airplanes and they got so much diamond and jewelry and they got four and five houses. But every house in the neighborhood where the church is is dilapidated and, and uh, broke down. Why? How is the pastor thriving in the middle of a rundown community? Uh, how, how is that making sense? So how is it that you can get one or two black people up in some high position in a big company, but the other 12% of black people never make it beyond the first or second level when black women are the most educated population in our American workforce, but we only have 2% of the leadership jobs. It doesn't make any sense. Like somebody has to make the math math. Because it doesn't. And so what I say, and I'm going to be saying it more and more often, and I was listening to uh, 50 Cent this morning in the game, <laughs> and game said, love it or not, the underdog's on top, right? But then they, but then they said, you know, I'm going to keep on shining until my heart stops. But then after that, then they said, um, you know, I ain't going nowhere. So, you know, prepare to get sick of me, basically, uh, because I'm going to be like literally right here in your face. And I'm going to be talking about things um, to move move the, the conversation has to move to action at some point. Because I am so sick of people talking about DEI. I have an article that I'm doing some final uh, editing on um, that I'm going to publish uh, today. Um, because I'm just so fed up with all of the pretending and the gaslighting around DEI as a whole industry. I am so tired of people trying to act like it's really doing something when it's not. Because we have known for 30 years, and I printed out another report last night. I printed out another report last night on diversity, equity, inclusion at work. And this is written by a white lady. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's around um, global and cultural effectiveness. And they talk about, you know, um, most companies are going through the motions. That's like her number one thing, right? Companies are going through the motions, period, right? They're not doing it. And why aren't they doing it? They are not doing it because nobody is holding them accountable to do it. And the few people that could at least speak to the Black experience, that could advocate for the Black experience, they are playing both ends against the middle. 
right? Because they're focused on getting their seven-figure payouts and they are not worried about the rest of the Black people. And so at some point, we have got to call out DEI for what it is. It's nothing but a distraction technique to placate Black people for the time being because everybody else is getting rights just like back in the day, right? Um, there's some some companies that, that offer all kinds of, you know, uh, and, and, uh, benefits, but Black people still don't even get paid the same as everybody else. These are not things we don't know about. These are not things we can't do something about. These are not insurmountable things. These are things that are held up because of anti-Blackness. These are things that are held up because people refuse to acknowledge that somewhere in their subconscious, they were taught that Black people don't deserve whatever, don't deserve equality, don't deserve to live in nice houses, don't deserve to be happy, don't deserve whatever. Because if that was not the case, back to Jane Elliott, if that was not the case, then why are you allowing it? Because you wouldn't allow that treatment for yourself. Everybody knows that Black people get the most mistreated in this country and nobody gives a damn. And some Black people don't even care because they think that they're immune to it because that's how the trauma response shows up. The trauma response shows up in different ways for different people. For me, my trauma response is not in my reaction to the world and to white people. For me, my trauma response is like, you're not going to put your hand over my mouth and tell me to shut up because I've had that happen and that has been part of my history for too long and now I'm not in anybody's shackle so nobody's gonna put their hand over my mouth and in my throat and choke me out and tell me to shut up because I'm not going to shut up because the bottom line is that DEI does not work because of anti-blackness it does not work because there's people there that would that refuse to to do what's necessary and it's not just people in these positions because every publicly traded company has a board of directors. And those board of directors, if the company is publicly traded on the stock exchange, yes, they are responsible for their shareholders and they're responsible first to the biggest shareholders. So if I take round numbers, if they have 100 shareholders, 100, they have 100 uh, shareholders and five of those shareholders owe own 90% of the stock, that's who they listen to. If their shareholders don't give a shit about diversity, equity, inclusion, there's no diversity, equity, inclusion happening. So what I want to challenge those DEI executives, those people in those chief diversity officer roles is I want to challenge you, right, to, to examine your comfort level with being a token, to examine your comfort level with being a figurehead, with be, examine your comfort level with being a person that's just put in place just to keep the other Black people quiet. And what I would like to challenge people who work at companies and institutions and organizations where you have one Black person in some position that you think is pretty high up, I would challenge you to find out, is that person a Karen or a Candace? Is that person one of those people that really you know, don't give a shit about black people's experiences. They just trying to get their seven, you know, their seven figure payout. And I'm not mad at anybody trying to make money in corporate America. But what I am mad about is the exploitation of black people. What I am mad about is we have had all of this data for now going on 30 years. We've had the data about what black women get paid. We've had the data about what Latina women get paid. 
And now Asian women done come from uh, Asia and they make more than black women in tech and in business and in tons of roles, regardless of the black woman's uh, degrees and qualifications and credentials. And that is easily researchable. So what I'm saying is, can we stop the games? I'm saying, can we stop the gaslight in the field of DEI in general? And can we start accelerating access, access to opportunity, access to options for people who have not been given the access? That's poor people. That's black people. That's indigenous people. Straight up. But we all know that the experience of a white poor person is not the same as the experience of a black poor person. We know it. We absolutely know it. Right. And so we have to think about that. So how is it that a, a black person could be middle class, upper middle class, even live in a gated community, but yet their life and their experiences in this country will still be negative. They will still have negative experiences at the doctor, in schools, in trying to get loans, in trying to get car insurance, in trying to get their mortgage. Black people will still always have a more negative experience than any other any other uh, uh, group in this, com- in this country. And that's because the other groups don't give a shit. That's because of anti-blackness. So anti-blackness is when you can say to yourself, well, at least I'm not black. I don't have to worry about it. That's not me. I don't have to do it. At least I'm not black. At least I'm not black. That's your anti-blackness. Because if you cared, then if you work in HR, if you are a white person working in HR, if you are a person that works in benefits and compensation, if you are a VP of HR, of people operations, if you are not anti-black, then tell me why aren't the black women making the same as the white women in the same comparable roles? It's because in your mind, you think they should be paid less. It just is because we're conditioned like that, y'all. This has has been on purpose, right? I talked about it on on Saturday. So for those of you uh, who get a chance to catch this, today is uh, August 1st. I am running a three-part series on unlearning anti-blackness, discover, disrupt, and dismantle um, here on the Living Corporate Network on Saturday mornings as part of my Saturday Solution Series. Part one was on July 30th. You can still catch the replay. Part two is going to be August 6th, and part three is going to be on the 13th. And in unlearning anti-blackness, right, I talked about this um, because we have to recognize that we have been bamboozled okay as martin uh, as malcolm said okay we have been bamboozled we have been taken advantage of we have been lied to and though our continuance to remain in this state is up to us and so my thing is we know what the statistics and things are when it comes to diversity equity inclusion we know that black women are still you know the lowest paid we know that trans women nobody gives a shit about black trans women we know that but why won't white people do something? So uh, for those of you who are podcast junkies, you know, or fans of mine, you might want to check out my new podcast, When White People Have Had Enough. Um, basically, I talk about, you know, all of the things happening and the inaction of white people. And basically, you are the ones that can make the change out here, right? Black women, black people, all we can do is keep on doing what we're doing. But we, it's not enough of us empowered to do anything, number one. 
And number two, those of us who have high positions, a lot of them are figurehead positions, and we're never going to be able to accomplish anything meaningful or measurable because of the organizations that we're in. The organizations make plenty of money without being diverse. So that's never going to be a valid argument that's going to make a company do diversity, equity, inclusion. They are never going to change anything until the pain of staying the same is greater. And the pain is never going to be greater until there's a collective action. And that collective action has to be led and done by white people. Um, you know, y'all have to get y'all friends and, and cousins and, and family members together and, and, and do stuff. But before that, you got to unpack your own stuff. So I think about, you know, how I will be for the most part, you know, when when you see me showing up, when you, you know, watch what I'm doing, I'm I'm going to be leading it or I'm going to pretty much be solo and my team is going to be, you know, um, somewhat in the background because I have had enough experiences over the past, I would say 20 years, but more so in the past five years trying to work with white women who have not done their homework, who have not done any of the internal work um, from a healing and a wholeness perspective to really be suited to have um, even um, genuine friendships and genuine relationships because of the damage that they have not addressed internally. So Real quick, I'm going to take a few minutes to talk about when I say things that white people need to address internally or the damage, um, what do I mean? So white people, if you are uh, descendants of the Mayflower or anybody who came here uh, in uh, the 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, or 19th century, you um, are in probably one of two camps in terms of your ancestry. If your family came here uh, before the 20th century, uh, they either owned slaves, they, um, or they didn't own slaves. If your family did not own slaves, they were indentured on plantations with other, uh, with slaves, right? With enslaved black people. Um, because most people that came to America were poor. Most of the white people were poor, okay? And so you, you, if you didn't come over as a rich person and your family is not, was not a rich person, right? Then is the likelihood that your family could have been indentured servant, right? If not, your family was just poor, right? Um, and, and maybe, you know, they pioneered and tried to make it across, you know, the country and get to different, different states. And then they set up, you know, set up their little, uh, you know, uh, ranches and stuff in the Midwest and, and moving forward. But it still doesn't take away from the fact that how, how your family, if you're a white person and you got here before the 19th century, how your family, um, got anything that it got. So either your family used the uh, free, stolen, enslaved labor of Africans, uh, participated in genocide and erasure and rape uh, of Native American people, North and South America, um, or 
Maybe your family was part of the white abolitionists. Maybe your, your family was in the John, the John Browns, right? Maybe you, some of Jane Elliott's people. But how come I don't know your name and never heard of you? I mean, I can name hundreds of black history, uh, black figures, right, that were um, key in abolition, right, uh, from, from, from the way back. I mean, you know, and not just because I went to, had black teachers and, and have studied black history in, in school, but just because we can talk about Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and Rosa Parks and Claudette Colvin and Ruby Bridges and W.E. Dubois and James Baldwin and Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth and Ida B. Wells. And I can name, I could probably name off the top of my head, 150 black activists from, you know, uh, 1690 to now because black people have always fought for our own liberation black people have always fought for our own freedom black people have always fought to be heard to be listened to at the beginning of the show i played i am human by Dion farris and i want to know what other group of humans ever had to sing a song saying i am human i mean literally like, why? It's because of anti-Blackness. It's because we're conditioned that Black people can take pain. We're conditioned that Black people do not matter. And when we say we matter, oh my goodness. That is the end of the damn world. That's because anti-Blackness. And, and white people, y'all have to cure anti-Blackness. But it starts with you curing it in and of yourself. And Black people have to heal anti-Blackness with themselves. I talked about a friend of mine who, you know, I had an argument with uh, because they said something that was very anti-Black. And I had to explain to them that is anti-Black. You Black people are not responsible for our condition. I'm going to say that again. Black people are not responsible for our condition. They stole our ancestors and brought them to this country in bellies of ships, chained together so we couldn't escape. Okay? They bred Black people like animals in this country. And so that same mentality that bred Black people like animals, that made Black people have sex with each other to breed by putting bags over their heads so they wouldn't know that's what they did to black people. Them same people's ancestors are still alive, y'all. It's not like all the slave owners got killed in 1722 or something. This same great, great, great grandchildren are alive. They got shackles in their basement and, and pictures of nooses and hangings. They, them same people are them same people working in all sorts of industries, all sorts of companies, all sorts of sectors all across the country. But we sit here playing these games while black people getting killed every damn day. And we sit here, DEI this, DEI that. DEI needs to be deleted. It needs to be dumped. It needs to be destroyed because it does not work. DEI is not going to work until anti-blackness is addressed and alleviated. But it's not going to be alleviated if we keep playing these games and we keep on, you know, getting with the gaslight, as I like to say, and acting like it's not a thing. We letting people tell us what we know is not true. 
We're letting people tell us that what black people can't be paid fairly. Why not? Native Americans can't, can't get be given none of it back. They can't get none of the land back. They can't even get the parks back that we charge people to go into. I know we we, they, we never given them the banks and the buildings back, but damn, they can't get the parks. So so shut up, right? They could get it because we gave Ukraine how many billions of dollars? Because okay, I am so sick of the games and the gaslight, and I'm sick of the distraction because the distraction just serves to further distract us and detract. It's these braces. <laughs> detract, right? From what we need to do and what we need to be paying attention to. And I'm not having it. I'm not having it. And so I want to always make sure that, you know, at the end of any conversation I have, and we had like two little technical glitches, so hopefully they worked out because the audio was still coming through even when it, um, when it looked like it went out. But uh, I want to always make sure I leave, you know, with, you know, what to do, right? So it's not just, oh, this is a, you know, a rant or this is a complaint or this is me talking about a bunch of problems without giving solutions. Here's what I think that we need to do when it comes to being able to make any meaningful, measurable motion forward when it comes to you know, anti-racism in, in, in any serious way. The first and foremost thing is we have got to address what they say as the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is anti-Blackness. The elephant in the room is how do you feel about Black people? I will forever and always post pictures of dark-skinned Black women. I'm going to always post pictures of dark-skinned Black women all the time, unless I'm trying to prove a point or I'm posting a picture of something else. Because my daughter is a Black-skinned woman, dark-skinned woman. And Anti-blackness says that my daughter is not as worthy as humanity as I am because I'm lighter skinned. And I say, F that. F that. Because that's what anti-blackness says. So my first takeaway is examine anti-blackness in yourself. Examine it. Why do you think that it is okay for black people to be mistreated? Why are you okay with it? Because if you weren't okay with it, then my next question is, what are you doing about it? Okay. So I posted an article and I said, uh, you know, about a, a, a white woman spit at a black man on a protest. And then I said, you know, have you ever been spat upon? And, you know, a couple of white people jumped in there and talk about they were spat on. And one person talked about, you know, um, I deleted the comment because it was just so stupid. Um, talking about... Uh, they got spat on and it was racially motivated. See, and I'm going to say this. I don't care. I don't, to me, I don't care what black people do in, in a, and it was a, 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 um, a, a homeless person, right? So this is a person in a mental health crisis. So don't come telling me something that a person in a mental health crisis did. Somebody, a homeless person spitting on you on the side of the street, even if he called you a white bee, I don't care. I don't care. I do not care because that person is in a mental health crisis. That's not you, Susie, the damn HR manager that's paying Tamika $40,000 less than you paying Brittany. It's not. And so first and foremost, you have to examine it. And, and the way you do it is you say, how does it show up in your life? Number one, do you know black people? Do you know black people? Or do you have relationships with black people? The people that you work with, they don't count as relationships. 
uh, they count as co-working relationships, but they don't count as working relationships. I'm talking about, do you have black people that you've been in their house, that they have broke bread with, you have broke bread at their house, that they have broke bread at your house, that they know your kids' names and your kids' birthdays, and that you hug and kiss them or hug or whatever you do. Some people hug, some people kiss. Me and my friends, we hug and kiss on the cheek, whatever. Okay, do you have affection and have these relationships? So that's the first thing is examine your own anti-blackness. That's number one. The second thing is look at your surroundings and your environment. Where is the black in your environment? Do you listen to black music? Do you read black books? Do you watch TV shows that have black people on them? Do you go to movies that have black people starring in them? Where is the black in your life? Or do you just have like little slur kind of things that you say when you try to talk black, like say girlfriend or things like that? Like, like, like what is the black in your life? That's number two. And then the third is how do you want to be remembered? I want to know how do you want to be remembered? Because the way you want to be remembered should be the way that you behave. I want to be remembered as somebody bold that don't take no bullshit. That's true to who she is. Boom. So that's how I behave. And I was listening to 50 Cent this morning. He said, men and men, <laughs> that's my boy, wish death upon me, right? I, I, I don't really care about people not feeling my content or unfollowing me or whatever, because I know that I have something to do. And I know that what I need to do is I need to uh, help. I, I, I need to help alleviate anti-Blackness because alleviating anti-Blackness is 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 something that you know is is not being addressed it's not being talked about so we're gonna talk about it here on the group chat um and i'm gonna be talking about it all the time uh until you know it's, it's a little bit better and i don't see it uh changing uh right now but hey let's continue to talk about it thanks so much for tuning into the group chat and so you know you can always go back and check it later um even if you miss it also the group chat um gets uh adapted to podcasts so everywhere you listen to podcasts spotify apple um itunes you know pandora amazon um all of that good stuff and you can also check out my very new podcast um when white people have had enough that talks all about you know the uh things that are happening and you know it's really a wake-up call for white people because you are the ones that are going to be going through something that you're not ready for, that you're not used to, that you're not even going to believe could happen because right now you're sitting idly by and letting it happen. So that podcast is all about that. So it's kind of serious, um, but, you know, I think it's good. So check it out and let me know what you think. So, hey, thanks always. I will talk with you soon. Thanks for joining the group chat on Living Corporate. Bye-bye for now, y'all. Living Corporate is brought to you by Doximity. Doximity is committed to fostering an inclusive and diverse work environment where differences are valued, practices are equitable, and employees experience a sense of belonging that allows them to bring their full, authentic selves daily. As medicine's largest network, there's an elevated level of responsibility to everything we do. We don't take that responsibility lightly and are committed to working towards a more equitable world inside and beyond our virtual office walls. So if you want to learn more about Doximity, go to your app store and type in D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. Again, that's D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y.